0: Welcome to episode 28 of The Shannon Plan. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by Akash for the 28th time. Akash, what's up, man? How you doing?
1: What's up, KP? I'm doing good, man. Uh, another week of off-season rumors and just Niners Twitter and complete shambles, but uh, it's it's fun, man. It's always fun to participate in these uh, hypotheticals. It, it, it makes for a really fun off-season when there aren't games going on.
0: Yeah, it's easy to poke the bear that is 49ers Twitter because they are yes. going to react to any and everything. And these people who are poking the bear know exactly what they're doing. And a name like Kirk Cousins is going to get somebody to react. And obviously anything yes. involving Jimmy Garoppolo will have We'll get us to react. So we're not going to talk about that just yet. We're going to start with uh, Kyle Juszczyk. So he has engaged in preliminary talks about a contract with the 49ers. Uh, Juice is going to be an unrestricted free agent coming this March. Uh, this come, this report comes via Josina Anderson, formerly of ESPN and she's pretty plugged in. And that's what we were kind of talking about before the show starts. Yeah. She has some sources and, you know, generally speaking, she, so she had uh what, do you remember exactly what she had last, last year, last offseason?
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was before the DeForest Buckner trade or after, but she was the one that broke the Eric Armstead kind of return story to the 49ers. She had just kind of a tweet that said, hey, the 49ers and Armstead are working towards a, a contract uh, that will bring him back to the team. And so she was the first one on that. So she's pretty plugged in, uh, generally has good insight into all the different players on the team. Um, and it's just a, a good reporter.
0: Yeah. So Justine Anderson said that yuschek would be, quote, happy to return, unquote, to the 49ers. And the the hope is that they can work something out. So yuschek Uschek made six point se he had a cap number of six point seven million for a fullback, which is pretty crazy to think about in 2020. Right. So about five million of that was pr- his base salary. Over the cap projected juice's valuation to be just north of three point one million. What kind of contract do you think the 49ers are going to throw at him based on, you know, the cap being 180 million, based on the other free agents that they have? And I don't know if it'll be more of a two, three year deal where they try to lower his cap number this year and push money into future years. What are you expecting?
1: Yeah. So let's start with just the cap situation, um, to just paint the picture for everybody. So the NFL hasn't named exactly what the salary cap will be for 2021, uh, which kind of makes the stuff complicated. But they have they have said that it won't go below 180 million. So let's just assume it's 180 million. Uh, the 49ers would then have about 18 and a half million dollars in salary cap space. Um, you know, without making any moves. Um, you know, like the Richburg, Ford, all that kind of stuff. So just given that, I would imagine that Kyle Buschek gets a backloaded deal. Uh, You know, he's still young, has generally been healthy. Um, I would imagine it's in the three-year range uh, where the majority of the money probably comes in the second or third year when the cap is expected to really take off. Um, And I think the 49ers will hold firm on whatever their offer is. And I think they'll keep the salary roughly in the same, you know, uh, annual average value that it was uh, with this contract. And it will kind of be a take it or leave it thing. I think both sides would like a reunion. I think the 49ers enjoy having Kyle Juszczyk in the building. Um, And Kyle Juszczyk likes playing for, you know, Kyle Shanahan and more specifically, Mike McDaniel. I honestly think it's going to be a family decision for him. He's talked about that a lot, about how he wants to be on the East Coast, um, where his family and his wife's family and just kind of their extended family is. So I think if that were to happen and, you know, they were equivalent offers uh, money-wise that he would lean that way. It's, it's just how I felt listening to him, both at his end of season press conferences and just kind of what he said publicly since. How do you feel about that?
0: Yeah. I, I think it's a coin flip, honestly, because, you know, as you mentioned, he, that's where he's from and there are going to be teams that are probably going to be offer him yeah. that are going to be able to offer him more than the 49ers will be able to offer him. Um, I think that it's tough to say. And I think as of now, I would probably lean that it'd be maybe the Jets for, you know, obvious reasons, Robert Sala. And I, at the same time, though, he said himself in that press conference at the end of the year that it's tough to imagine me having a be, being in a better situation than a Kyle Shanahan offense. And as you mentioned, you know, he raved about Mike McDaniel when Mike McDaniel was promoted to OC like that. He tweeted about that. and He right. never tweets about that. So, yeah, there, it's there That's are so point. many moving parts that. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't know that he would be able to, especially, you know, to an East Coast team, like who do you think, who do you know that on the East Coast would be able to put him in a better situation than what he is, what he has done for the 49ers. So um, in that situation, I, I don't know that there is a better, you know, that there's a better team out there for him, but he's 29. He's probably like, how many more contracts is he going to have? So if this is going to be his last four-year deal or whatever, then max out, man. I have no issue with that. I'm already looking forward to 49ers fans calling him a trader and spelling trader the wrong way. And, you know, just all, all of those things that Spell happen. like trader, like trader Joe's or something like yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, that I, happens every off season for every player. What do you, what do you got there?
1: I was going to add. So when he was on another podcast, he did mention that when he's that off season, he signed with the 49ers. Oh yeah. That's right. He had, he had an offer from the Buffalo bills and He his agent went to the 49ers, specifically Kyle probably, and was like, hey, here's what the Bills offer is. Match it and we'll come to San Francisco. If not, we're going to go to Buffalo. And he really didn't want to go to Buffalo at the time because his wife, or they weren't married at the time, she didn't want to live in Buffalo. she He talked about how she was upset with that situation. But I wonder now, four years later, if Buffalo, different offense, obviously they don't run the ball as much, uh, would give him a contract, and maybe he would welcome a return to Western New York.
0: So they don't run the ball as much, but they do have an MVP candidate and they They did just make the AFC championship and they do have a terrific defense, great coaching staff. And they are not going anywhere anytime soon. And they do spread it out as well and throw it to the running back. So I could, you know, these decisions evolve, obviously. What How you felt about Buffalo in 2017 is not going to be the same how you felt about them in 2021. Obviously. And that could go the same way for the 49ers and not in a positive way. So um, he does have, you know, the tenure here and, you know, there's a connection the relationships and whatnot. So let's just real quick before we put a, a bow on this, where is Kyle Juszczyk playing in 2021?
1: I'm going to say the Jets. I just think the East Coast factor, the fact that they're going to be all able to offer money up front, given how much cap space they have, the ties with the 49ers staff, um, I just think it makes the most sense. I don't think the 49ers will be able to offer that type of cash and, you know, the close to home factor. Um, just, just, I, I won't fault them for it. Uh, home's home. So what about you? What do you think?
0: Home is home. I, I that's a really good way to put it. And I agree. I'm with you. I think the Jets is are probably the team where he ends up with and for all the reasons that makes sense just money matters when we're talking <laughs> about these it decisions does. like you're you're not going to give everybody a home hometown discount and in this situation san francisco isn't home the east coast is home so right. that's where i think juice ends up on the east coast so let's uh let's switch gears to chris sims who as we know, has ties to the 49ers because he has a tattoo of their head coach. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Sims talked about Jimmy Garoppolo being a, you know, fringe top 10 guy. And we saw the same from kind of Colin Cowherd and their tune has sort of changed over the past couple of weeks. And that, you know, gets everybody wondering, are they trying to drive up his trade value? So when Chris Sims said these words, what was your take on them?
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting because this time last year, Chris Sims, you know, does his quarterback rankings every year and people were incensed. They were outraged when he had Jimmy Garoppolo 20th, I think. And I think it was like right behind Carr, right ahead of like Baker Mayfield, but he was below a lot of the quarterbacks that 49ers fans think are like much worse than Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, this was coming off of the Super Bowl run, like all that stuff. Right. And people were like, oh, my God, like, how can Chris Sims say this about his best friend's quarterback? Like, you know, like Kyle Shanahan was like married to Garoppolo and Sims was like on like Shanahan's family or something like that. It it wasn't like that. And I think (laughs) Sims was just being honest, giving his opinion. um, And people were just outraged. Yet, 12 months later, uh, Chris Sims, you know, now he is saying, you know, he's a fringe top 10 guy, most people in the NFL view him you know somewhere between 12 and 18 and Kyle Shanahan really respects him and you can win with him and and all that kind of stuff and it was very positive kind of rosy um and it was funny because he kept looking down so it it felt like he was just reading off the script (laughs) even though I don't think he operates that way um but yeah it was just weird that on Monday all the news surrounding Garoppolo was all positive and kind of rosy and um yeah just just weird I don't know. how did you feel when you heard that audio and just
0: what Sims was saying? Well, if you felt that Jimmy Garoppolo was in the 18 to 22 range before 2020 and after the 2020 season, now you feel that he's a top team guy, then I have questions for you because <laughs> nothing that we saw from this past season would make you think that Jimmy was better in 2020 than 2019. So something is fishy there. Let's just say that. And obviously, you know, you're going to hear that maybe Jimmy requested a trade or maybe he's unhappy, but he has every right to be because he's getting bashed every day by some different camp. So I could completely understand, you know, why he would not want to be a part of this. But at the same time, he's being paid even more handsome than he is. So with that said, he's We're not going it. anywhere anytime soon in that situation. Like, why would you request a trade? Because if Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. was on the market right now, who in the world is going to sign him to a one-year $25 million deal, two-year $51 million deal? That's right. not happening. And be- why is that not happening? Because he hasn't played. So um, he's he wouldn't get that money anywhere else. So I don't understand why he would, you know, ask for a trade just in the sense that i guess you know the patriots make sense because they do have the cap space and you know that whole cam newton situation is up in the air but i i don't know man i I just don't understand why another team would acquire that why they would want that contract knowing that you know if the team were to if the 49ers were to move on from jimmy they would probably release him
1: so the 49ers have gone about this the, the the opposite of how the eagles and the rams went about it like as the season wore on, the Eagles and leaks and reports surrounding that they just hated Carson Wentz and different players thought Wentz was just bad in the locker room, whatever. And then the same thing with Goff. I mean, the GM, basically in, in you know less need at the end of the season, was super noncommittal on Goff. And I know there were reports about his work ethic. Yet the 49ers, just you know, the 49ers as a whole um, and the you know, reports that they leak out. They've just generally been positive about Garoppolo. They've been very upfront and honest. Most of the noise surrounding Garoppolo has been from fans or from analysts that really aren't tied to the team. I think that are just being objective about his play. So it's been very different in how they've handled that situation. And I think it's allowed them to either, you know, have him back next season or move on and not deal with the repercussions of having a guy that you've basically, you know, shit on.
0: So speaking of moving on, some of the questions that have surfaced recently is, has Kyle changed his tune on what it takes to be a, you know, what it takes to win in this league at quarterback? So everybody, you know, ties what he's not, what he had. So he has Jimmy Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins, like those are the names that generally come up when you think of a player like Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G, those are guys that will flourish in structure but not so much out of structure. So we're going to play this clip from Chris Sims who kind of explained what his thought process was there. I think
1: maybe even he's maybe realized like, hey, I like these quarterbacks that do what I say, but I'd like one that can maybe bail me out every now and then too. I think – You know, I said it during the year. I I thought some of the comments I saw make about Josh Allen and Robert Sala, that to me always jumped out to me. I never Mm. really heard them say some of the things they said there,
0: where I was like, oh, oh, they're very impressed by him, huh? All right. right. So what do you think about those words that Chris said? Does that make sense to you? And, And obviously, as we know... Coaches evolve, humans evolve, people evolve. So how you felt about a certain player's stance, anything, doesn't have to be football, is yeah. going to change over the years. So, I mean, it's fair to say that Kyle Shanahan has evolved. What do you feel here? You and
1: I really, we texted about this, and we remember leading, I think it was leading up to the Buffalo Bills game, or maybe it was just after the Buffalo Bills game, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan would walk into these press conferences just absolutely dejected because, his team was losing, guys were getting hurt left and right. His quarterback play was terrible. And he, I think it was Jennifer Lee Chan of NBC Sports. Uh, she asked him about, you know, uh, your, does your evaluation of quarterbacks, has it changed since whatever, 2017, um, you know? And he responded, he was like, things change, people's, people change, um, you know, I'm trying to find, you know, uh, someone that's in the top 2% of the world uh, in that specific job, right? And it's difficult and there's no specific traits, but you find that person that could be a superstar and then you just build around that person. And you and I thought that was really eye-opening because he just watched Josh Allen, um, who was who just lit the 49ers up that week. And he's like, I got to get me one of those, right? Um, just doesn't have that on the roster. And that's what Sims referred to. And I thought it was interesting Uh, just the way he phrased it, which was basically like, hey, I like quarterbacks that can do what I ask them to, but sometimes I want them to bail me out too because not every play call I have is going to be perfect. And when it's not perfect or the defense has the right call, I want that quarterback to be able to create because I'm not on the field, right? Um, You know, the plays are made by the 22 guys inside the white lines. So Kyle can only do so much. And I wonder if he's come to that realization. You, You think that has some sort of impact on how he views this draft his quarterback position just moving forward or
0: is it just kind of words and it doesn't mean a whole lot i do and i'm i'm not sure if we'll see that go into effect this draft cycle it should based on you know the current quarterbacks who are available and moving forward in the future uh just next year because this you're not going to have an opportunity where four franchise quarterbacks are go. That's just not realistic to assume that no. you're going to be able to get those players every year. So I think that will, will play a part, but I think that's just spot on about Josh Allen, because when you watch that game and what, when you watch what he did to the 49ers defense who, man, they, like they were really good. They were this past season. I don't think people appreciated How good the yeah. 49ers defense was but Josh Allen came in and played about as flawless as you could. Like they were getting after him and it did not matter. Like he was just, he would create plays. He would find ways to just put the ball in places that we weren't used to seeing quarterbacks put the ball in. So I think that alone, like his performance, you, you have no choice to adapt. Like you have no choice to evolve your stance on quarterback. So I think if, if there is a change at quarterback this year, a lot will be attributed to what you saw last. And in this situation, it's Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray, and Josh Allen. Just carving your defense, not, not carving your defense up, but extending plays and making plays outside of the structure. Right.
1: Yeah, because the 49ers defense, you know this as well as I do, they do a good job of taking the first read away. I think that's one of their like, primary goals, is to be able to take that first option away and let that pass rush get home. And Josh Allen in that game, oh my God. I mean, he was torching them. And it was from like the start of the game just th- throughout. And I could imagine how Kyle Shanahan, especially Robert Sala, how they both feel about
0: what they need at that position and just what they haven't had, to be completely honest. Man, I I don't know how you can watch that and not evolve your take. But we'll see. I mean, again, we, we will find out very soon how the team feels about their quarterback. I say it every podcast, I feel like. But I, I think the actions of the team will speak louder than anything anybody has spoken this offseason. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how much we were wrong about the 49ers this past season. (laughs) All right. So we are back this past offseason. We made some bold predictions. We also hyped up players and we do that every year. So Trent Taylor was one all offseason. You know, fans thought Trent Taylor was going to be the next Wes Welker because he was back from five foot surgeries. And we saw how that worked out. Uh, We saw who else? was, I mean, Jalen Hurd was was a guy that was hyped oh, up man. all offseason, and he didn't last. Uh, I don't think he last a practice. Um, I don't think if I made remember it to the correctly. Program. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, not great. And we're going to talk about some names here, but let's start on the offensive side. So, where I was the most wrong at, I thought Daniel Brunskill would take the next step in his development. So, AAF player. Uh, from there, you would assume that his ceiling is just not very high as a player, but. Yeah. He played very well in 2019, I feel like. And he played very well at multiple positions. When you can do that, you have a chance to be a good player, especially in Kyle Shanahan's offense. So they like athletes and Brunskill's an athlete. He's not this dominant finisher. Like he's not a Mike you that's going to put you in the ground, but he just, quote unquote, gets the job done. I don't think he was terrible, but he just didn't take the steps that you would think. He was essentially the same player that he was in 2019, which is – I don't say that, I don't want to make it sound like that's, you know, scary, but it seems like Brunskill is who he is at this time. It doesn't help that he had to go back and forth from center and right guard. I'm sure that yep. will help him if he has to if he is allowed to only focus on right guard, and this is now just me making excuses for him as a player. If he <laughs> has a chance to focus on right guard for an entire offseason in training camp. I imagine he'll be better, but he just wasn't as good as I anticipated. uh, Just after the 2020 season, who is your offensive player where you were wrong?
1: Yeah. So first on your guy, Daniel Brunskill, I do think you're right. I think playing multiple positions and not being able to practice at one spot um, and have, you know, work on your communication and chemistry with whoever your partner is in along the offensive line makes a huge impact. And I think if Daniel Brunskill had some stability at center and just focused on right guard, and if McGlinchey can stay healthy, I think you can get him back to like a 2019 version. And so I'm hopeful that there's a, a rise for Brunskill in 2021. The guy who I was so wrong on was Jarek McKinnon. Last offseason, I spoke to his trainer, uh, Rashad Whitfield, you know him, uh, footwork king out of Houston. And he hyped up McKinnon and was talking about how he's going to come back. And he had all these videos. And McKinnon was cutting and looked like he had his speed. And oh boy, I mean, he had about two games early in the season when the other running backs were hurt. And then he had, I think, I forget the injury it was like leg tiredness or muscle soreness or something like that. And Kyle Shanahan just didn't use him much going forward, which makes sense. He just really didn't have burst or juice left, I think. Uh, not much in the tank. And, you know, the 49ers brought him back on a super cheap deal this season just to see if he had anything. And I don't think he had it. So... Obviously, he's not coming back, but that's the that's the player that I completely whiffed on.
0: I think the most telling part about McKinnon was seeing him carry the ball early in the season, and then seeing Jamichael Hasty carry the ball back to back. Yeah. Just the juice, the difference in burst between those two is oh my goodness! One could run and has you know he could outrun a defender to the corner. Right, another player had just no chance. And I think the the most memorable play McKinnon had was on like third and thirty four. 23 whatever it was against the Jets but outside of that like what what can you hang your hat on for McKinnon's season like he had some good pass pass blocks (laughs) saving uh saving the quarterbacks (laughs) but outside of that man and and I I really don't think he's as bad as you know the fans made him out to be but he was supposed to be Uh, you know, a guy that was going to make a difference in the passing game. And that just did not happen because he he couldn't outrun linebackers and you can't outrun linebackers. That's it's an issue. So, yeah, McKinnon, man, had a lot of offseason hype and all that just fell flat on his face and it fell flat on his face very, very early. So um, to the defensive side of the ball, mine was a guy who, again, who I thought was going to take the next step because I thought what he did in essentially half a season 2019 was spectacular and turning around in 2020 it did not take long for that to uh, for that to not be very good so my guy is emmanuel mosley on the defensive side and again so here's his 2019 numbers he allowed 6.3 yards per target he only allowed three touchdowns in 2020 he allowed four touchdowns uh and so he's targeted 47 times in 2019 He's targeted 51 times. So it's not like there was a much of a difference. Uh, those yards per target went up from 6.3 to 7.5. And again, just what I'm sure he still has nightmares about what Deandre Hopkins did to him week one. It's so difficult to regain your confidence after that, but yeah. think about it. So Deandre Hopkins week one. So uh, Mosley gives up and not just to Hopkins. He gave up 75 yards, but he, he was just getting torched left and right, giving up first downs and, The 49ers couldn't get off the field in that situation when they needed to because they had no answer for Hopkins and Arizona just kept picking on him time and time again. Fast forward to the next time Mosley is on the field, that was against the Rams. So the Rams started moving the ball and that's because they were going at Emmanuel Mosley. So in that game, he gave up four catches, 64 yards. Then next time he's targeted heavily, Seattle. And I'm sure everyone remembers that game. Akash, we were at that game yeah. Week eight, DK Metcalf, ugly. oh my goodness. And after that, it was it's, it's tough to put him back on the field. So in that game, he gave up 124 yards in coverage. Uh, they rolled with him Oof. again in week nine against the Packers. And again, he gives up a, a, a deep touchdown. I believe it was to Devonta Adams. So three catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. And yeah. you just couldn't play him anymore after that. Because as we saw in 2019 with Akella Witherspoon, confidence matters. And then when you lose that, you start getting yeah. your own head. And then it just spirals out of control. So, man, I, I was really high on Mosley. I, I see some fans saying they're okay with him being the starter going into 2021. Based on what we saw this past season, that's just not realistic. You you can't say that because we didn't see enough from him to, you know, warrant being a player on this defense so yeah Jason Verrett was great this past season I think Akello I would rather roll into 2021 with Witherspoon if I did have to pick a guy but who is your uh, defensive player
1: yeah I'll pick another corner uh not the young guy the the old head in the room Richard Sherman um obviously coming off an all-pro season in 2019 where he just looked like his old self um and you wondered okay can this guy do this again in 2020 Um, unfortunately, he only played in like five games, I believe. Uh injuries got him after week one. And then he just kind of disappeared. Um, you know, he had that calf injury, he got a he got some treatment, which I think went wrong. And uh there was like a poor reaction to it. And he didn't return until week twelve. And kind of the second stint when he came back, I just saw he wasn't playing very well. And I wonder if his injury played a role in it. I bet it did. Um, he just didn't look like himself. Usually he's a very sure-handed tackler. It looked like he kind of mailed it in on a few tackling attempts, especially in that Dallas game. And his just, it looked like his body just kind of gave out on him as the season wore on. And so I thought he would maybe, even if he wasn't at an all pro level in 2020, that he would be like very, very good, especially opposite of Jason Verrett. And I was just completely wrong. And I mean, his numbers don't look terrible. Uh, they're not like Mosley's because he just didn't play as much. Um, but yeah, he just, just wasn't the same level of you know uh, productive as he was the year before and that would be my pick uh for player that i was wrong on
0: he looked like a 32 year old corner yeah that's just what happened so in 2019 he was amazing he was very very good he was he was was the the all pro richard sherman hall of fame richard sherman so 2020 i don't i don't know what happened and you made a good point when you get hurt in the first week at that age, I, it's just Hard. very tough to come back yeah. from. Yeah, and then, and then you mentioned the tackling. If I were, guess what his broken tackle percentage was this past season. So I want to paint this because in 2019, his broken tackle percentage was 10.3. The two seasons before, it was in the sevens. And then the first season in his career, I believe it was 7.4. What do you think it was in 2020?
1: uh i would guess like mid-20s mid-20s maybe 30 percent uh broken tackle percentage for perspective fred warner was at like five i think this past
0: season richard sherman missed a tackle 21 percent of the time Close. this past yeah. season that that's not is not good <laughs> that nope. is not what you want at all so even as you are, everything was just so much worse significantly worse than the season prior 2019 Richard Sherman allowed five point six yards per target this past season. Seven point three. He gave up only one touchdown in twenty nineteen. That is unreal. In yeah. twenty twenty, in only five on eighteen targets, he gave up three touchdowns. He just wasn't the same player. So there's a reason why you know when we all when we talk about these unrestricted free agents, and when he says when he says and admits that you know. The door's probably closed. There's a reason for that. And, and a lot has to do yeah. with his age, salary, and the, the way he played. The good news is, for you, you're not going to have to worry about him because you are blocked. <laughs> and <laughs> That is I, true. What, okay, let's do this. Where, for all the names that we just said, do you think Brunskill is starting for the 49ers in 2021?
1: Uh, yes. I think he will be the starting right guard in 2021.
0: I do too. Do you think – where is Jarek McKinnon playing in 2021? The XFL. <laughs> like, okay, okay.
1: This isn't even a shot at McKinnon, but how do you it's watch not it? a
0: shot at McKinnon to say he's not playing in the hell. Come on.
1: I mean, I mean what front office watches this 2020 tape and is like, ah, that guy's gonna be good. Just get him in our system. Just just get him in our building, get him with our trainers, and you'll be I mean, like, who thinks that way? He was he just looks shot. I mean, he maybe gets a flyer uh, to, you know, uh, uh, like a training camp invite or something like that, but I can't see him on a roster next season. Can you,
0: I, I do, I think he's going to be somewhere. I, I think he's going to be a year removed and that'll help him from a year removed from his injury. And that'll help him. I don't Fair. think he's going to, you know, rush for a thousand yards or have 500 receiving yards, but I think he'll be, <laughs> you know, like a third down back for somebody. And by that, I mean, a guy who gives you a couple catches a game and is a, a viable pass protector and, and maybe is a kick returner, but other than that, he's he's not gonna have a big role, but I, I think he's good enough to be on a roster. Okay, how about Richard Sherman? Where is he playing in 2021?
1: I mean, John Gruden that basically was like wanted to sign him to a contract on that podcast. And <laughs> Gruden's the type of person that's like he needs defensive players right now, their defense is just bad. Sherman just provides some credibility. I know he would throw some money at a player like Richard Sherman. Uh, and it's going to completely backfire. I feel like he's going to pay way too much. And Sherman's productivity on the field isn't going to be what he expects. It's going to be kind of funny, but I think that's where he ends up.
0: I don't know where he's going. I'm, I'm trying to think of teams. But every Everybody needs a cornerback. Let's, that's let's true. get that out of the way. So it, it's not like he won't have suitors even after an injured season. Like he's probably going to have to take a, a one year, two year type deal, especially with the way the salary that, cap is. I, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be humbled a bit as far as what fair. his value is, but he's going to get, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to play in the NFL. Obviously. My
1: added, my added caveat to the Raiders thing is they obviously have Gus Bradley at DC. Sherman knows him from his Seattle days. They run a true, good. you know, Seattle cover three scheme. So the connections are there. It's and I think Gruden just likes Sherman the guy, too. So but yeah, you Emmanuel,
0: Emmanuel Mosley, do the 49ers tender him? Like, are they going to extend him? I, I say yes. The next part is, so just thinking of what he's done the past couple seasons, how will Emmanuel Mosley play 400 snaps for the 49ers in 2021? Let's let's put it like that.
1: Four hundred. So let let me pull up what he's played so far to to get some perspective. Or do you have the snap counts in
0: front of you? Let me see. Yes, I do. So in 2019, he played. So he's only he hasn't played. hasn't played much. Yeah, he's played under 500. Just hovered around 500 snaps in both seasons.
1: Uh, so he played. He played 499 last season. So if he's back,
0: which is more than I thought.
1: Right. Same. It didn't feel that high. But I imagine if he's back, he's competing for one of the starting jobs. Um, and again, if he can get his you know, confidence back and just, um, you know, just back to more of his 2019 self, I think he easily
0: surpasses that number. He actually broke up more passes this season than he did last year. Yeah. It's also very surprising. I did not know that. You wouldn't just think that. You wouldn't think that. With how he played.
1: I mean, when you talk about Mosley, the three guys that he got torched by, are like might be the three best receivers yeah. in the game. So yeah. it's not like he was getting torched by me and you on Sunday. It was like, yeah, Devonte Adams, DK Metcalf, and like DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Yeah, what a bum. Yeah, exactly. Cut that guy. So I would say under. I'll go under on the snap count. Okay. I don't know who's going to be the cornerback. I'd imagine they're going to sign somebody. Let's say Jason Barrett, and then they're going to draft somebody. And and those will be your starters. Uh, I wonder if they give him a shot maybe inside to earn some playing time because, you know, he's an aggressive player. Like he he likes to tackle. It's not like he's, you know, a timid type of player. I just think, yeah, as we said, the better players won this past season and they won decidedly. So it looks a lot worse than what really happened. And again, the 49ers couldn't afford to leave him on the field as much as they did. Based on how he performed against those plays. I don't blame them for uh pulling him. So let's let's segue into some bold predictions that we made before the season kicked off. And by you, I mean me. And if you remember any of yours, feel free to yeah. throw them in here. So the first one: the 49ers and Cowboys rivalry returns in 2020. Um, as we saw, they they were not good. So 49ers six and 10 Cowboys worse. Cowboys lost their quarterback. 49ers had quarterback injuries. The Cowboys defense, one of the worst in the NFL. Yes. They had CD land. They had, you know, some good wide receivers, but outside of that, like if you watch Andy Dalton play, you'd be like, Oh my goodness. I, I want nothing to do with him, you know, as a backup quarterback in San Francisco, let's just say that. But (laughs) that rivalry is not rejuvenated based on the 2020 season. You've yeah, been bad there.
1: Let's put it this way. The Niners and the Cowboys might be two of like the four or five biggest brands in the NFL. Just brands. unquestionably. They, they got flexed out of a Sunday night game for the Browns and Giants. <laughs> they got flexed out for <laughs> Baker Mayfield and Daniel Jones on a Sunday night. Danny and that Dimes. Game was, Danny Dimes. That game was horrible. And was. the Niner Cowboys game was worse. So I think the NFL made the right call flexing that game. But yeah, the the rivalry was not back. And if Mike McCarthy doesn't smash some watermelons, the Cowboys might have like two wins.
0: Oh, that is a great point. Yeah, so the, the, the only... Shining moment from that game was Kendrick Bourne catching a Hail Mary. Yeah. that that meant nothing at all. Like, it had nothing to do with the outcome of the game, but it looks great. Other than that. Yeah, that was that was just not a great game to be a part okay. of. And and the 49ers put up some stinkers this year, man. Let's let's be honest about it. It was there were some games that were rough to watch. So moving on, I said Quan Alexander makes the Pro Bowl. As you can see, that did not happen. <laughs> that that. uh. He was sort of the, the Saints are about he was and the Saints <laughs> are about to cut him off yeah. of. So he tore his Achilles and the, the Saints are about to cut him and Emmanuel Sanders, by the way. So that is kind of interesting. Um, I'm I'm just a big fan of him. Yes, yes you know, injury histories, but he's just, I think he's a much better player than given credit for. Obviously after multiple injuries, he's probably not going to be the same type of player, but wherever Quan Alexander ends up, I wish him well. Uh, The third one that I had also wrong, Raheem Mostert receives MVP votes. Um, No, that did not happen. That was not close to happening. He got off to a great start to the season because he had those big plays against the Cardinals, against the Jets. So you, early on, you were thinking, Whoa, man, this might have a chance. He might be that guy, but he only played eight games this season. I mean, it's not, he didn't have a bad season at all because he's, you know, whenever he's on the field, he's going to outrun somebody, He averaged five yards a carry. But again, uh, if you're not on the field, you're not going to get MVP votes. So I, I just mean, hope he's, go ahead.
1: I was going to say how wild that take is, how it sounds now. Derek Henry rushed for like 20, 2057 yards, didn't receive a single MVP vote. He rushed for 2,000. He was the rushing leader. Back-to-back seasons. Didn't get a single vote. And we thought Raheem Mostert, Mostert was going to get some votes. It's pretty nuts.
0: Mostert ran for 521 yards. And I'm sure, I, I imagine Derrick Henry had two games where he rushed for those yards. And that yeah. would not be surprising at all. Probably in when the last two games, he probably rushed for those yards. So yeah. to be fair to Mostert, he had a game where he averaged 2.7 yards against the Rams, where he ended up getting banged up. And I thought that was one of his best performances, honestly. But again, have to stay healthy, just like every other 49er, which takes us to our next take. Injuries will continue to haunt the Niners. And I, and when I said that, I, I wasn't projecting injuries on specific players because that's not how this works. But it's just football. Like, that happens. Players are going to get hurt every year, no matter what. And in this situation, the Niners just got bit, man. And they got bit hard. And it, it just made them – it just ate into their depth. So the players that they were expecting to replace their starters were now starters. And when that happens, you are relying on practice squad players. You're relying on players. You are signing for one year, 700,000. We were talking about thousands. <laughs> and when you're talking about players right. who are on the field, that is an issue. So um, I mean, when is this going to stop? I guess, let me ask you that. When will the 49ers be able to field a team where there aren't multiple injuries at multiple positions because i feel like we can go down the line quarterback injury wide receiver injury offensive line injury running back injury defensive line injury tight end injury linebacker injury cornerback injury safety injury what am i like what did i miss there because every position was hurt
1: yeah i don't know i mean if if such a thing as the injury gods existed, you know, they would have to shine some light on the 49ers this season after, after what they've dealt with the last two years. But um, you know, the one of the guys, Fred Warner, who's, who stayed healthy these last two seasons, knock on wood. um, I think he just does such a tremendous job of taking care of his body. I think everyone that talks about him talks about how, you know, his eating habits, his work ethic, all that stuff is just right. 24 seven. And again, not in the building. So I, all the time. So I don't know, but it feels like that plays a role in some of these injuries, obviously not the freak injuries, but some of the hamstring pulls and uh, some of those like soft tissue type injuries feels like it's related to how they take care of their bodies in the off season um, and during the season. So I don't know, man, I hope after this kind of season, they decide to change kind of their training regimen program, etc., cetera, and just how they take care of their bodies to stay healthy. But again, it's football. Injuries are bound to happen. You just hope you can
0: uh, overcome them. So I am currently batting, or if you want to say we, that would be great. But it's mostly just me being wrong. Um, uh, as far wrong as too. the the bold predictions go, the other one that that was right and Brandon Ayuk emerges as the team's top wide receiver. And most people's instant reaction right back when I said that was what about Debo Samuel when i when i did bring that up that wasn't a slight at Debo Samuel that was more about what i saw from Brandon Ayuk during training camp because he was the one receiver who could run by you know Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley and he was also winning at every level and i don't that wasn't really Debo Samuel's game and Debo got banged up a little bit but i think what we saw from Brandon Ayuk and who who still does have a long ways to go i want to make that clear but knowing how good he was so quickly and what he can become, uh, it, that is the wide receiver one moving forward. And I think that is a big deal because he is probably going to be a special player for the 49ers. What was your what, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think that was one that you saw early on because you spent some time at training camp um, watching these guys. And it was, I think, really evident to you, you texted me immediately that, yeah, man, Brandon Ayuk is just different. I mean, you saw Debo Samuel the year before and you see some of the young guys that the 49ers have, and you just were like, Are you pops uh, when you watch him. So props to you for having that take, right? And uh, yeah, I think he's going to be uh, an emerging star, uh, hopefully in this league.
0: The last bold prediction that I made was the 49ers were going to make another mid splash with a trade. That did not happen. Ooh. So the final... What I was thinking of, I was trying to come up with just random, you know, bold predictions. So I was thinking either besides that one was going to be Nick Bosa leads the team in sacks and gets defensive player of the year votes. Uh, not going to happen. And my other one was going to be that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be in the top five in touchdown passes. The reason that I said that I went away from both of those were because they were too easy, as we saw.
1: Too easy. They were not (laughs) easy
0: because both players were, you know, injured in the week two. So, um, I mean, both predictions are fun at the beginning of the season. And I think we should should also do a better job of looking back at our takes. And and not so much holding ourselves, I guess, holding ourselves accountable is one way to put it. But, just, you know, look back and see, you know, what, what were we saying? Because we can always throw stuff at the wall and hope it sticks, but it's kind of fun to look back at those things. What was your – let me ask you this. Thinking back, what was your biggest surprise maybe outside of injuries? Maybe you know, we talked about the players. What were you most shocked about in 2020? And it could be the 49ers going 6-10. and 10. It could be the rash of injuries that they suffered. Or it, I don't know, maybe, maybe you expected some regression.
1: Yeah. Um, Just on the bold takes thing, I think you're right. I mean, usually you remember the takes that you're right with, and you're always like to puff your chest out a little bit and be like, hey, I was right about that. But, you know, we're wrong about a lot of stuff. And, you know, in our business, we make a ton of predictions that uh, are based off of what we see, what we hear, what we, you know, analyze and and all that kind of stuff. So it's also good to evaluate what you're wrong about. And there's no need to pretend like we're, you know, right all the time or anything like that. It's, It's just predictions. They are what they are. Uh, The one bold prediction I did have before I talked about surprises uh, was that the combination of Tart and Ward would combine for four more interceptions this year. And so Kwaski Tart had an interception week one against Arizona. I think stats, our producer texted us, texted our group chat, and was like, oh my God, Akash, you're going to be right. Your bold prediction is going to come to fruition. (laughs) They didn't pick a ball off the rest of the season. (laughs) It was horrible. It was like torture. It was torture and Ward had like an opportunity in the uh, the New Orleans game, I think you said, where I think it like went through his hands or he like dropped an easy one. And I was in a like, bad oh. spot. Yeah, I was like, God, I mean, they're, they're in like good positions a lot of the time, yet somehow the ball just like doesn't find them. You know, somehow some players have the nose for the ball. Those guys just seems like they don't for whatever reason, uh, even though they're good safeties, I think. So bold prediction out of that I was just wrong about. Um, my biggest surprise probably it's gonna be Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, you know, just coming after the 2019 season and just a Super Bowl run and just the way you view him um in that in in the winning season, especially the way he played down the stretch. Forget the playoffs. You just thought he was gonna come into 2020, his first full off season. You know, he worked with the guys um, you know, in Tennessee. And you just think, okay, this is year or two away from the ACL. He's gonna have like uh, a good year. Uh, and the 49ers offense will be able to offset what the defense wouldn't be able to do. And yet he came out week one. And I know there were some center and receiver injuries, and they hadn't had preseason whatever, but he just looked off. He didn't play really well. And then week two he gets hurt, obviously. And it was just such an up and down season. And I think that was probably the biggest surprise. And it was just eye-opening that you really go back and watch, and you just you're like, ah, this player isn't as good as I thought he was. Um for whatever reason, and he just couldn't, and he's just going to stay on the field. So I'd say that was probably the biggest kind of eye-opening thing about this uh, this season um, was it just Garoppolo. I'd say. What about you,
0: Akash? Ending the podcast with typical Jimmy Garoppolo hate. I love it. Staying on brand, baby. On um, brand. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I guess maybe the biggest surprise to, to flip the switches is, is that the defense didn't take a step didn't take a significant step back, didn't have, you know, they didn't fall off a cliff without Nick Bosa. I think that was a a big surprise to me because in most of the metrics that matter, they remain top 10, which is why probably, you know, and this just goes back into the hypotheticals, why it'd be easier for me to deal for, you know, a franchise quarterback or move on if that were to happen. But I think just credit to Robert solid, man. He's just a hell of a coach. He should get way more credit than he deserved, but he's now a head coach. So he, they uh the nfl recognized him so kudos to him kudos to him for keeping the 49ers defense at an not maybe not elite level but a very 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 good level so josh allen has something to say about that i'm sure but other than that uh the 49ers were great man they shut down russell wilson they shut down kyler murray they shut down a lot of good players and a lot of good quarter, uh quarterbacks and there are a few plays here and there where you can argue that but outside <laughs> of that man uh uh, just, just a really good defense. Go ahead.
1: I, I was going to say there were two Allens that ruined the 49ers defense this season. Josh <laughs> and Brian. Those two guys wrecked the defense this season. Oh, <laughs> one just man. happened to play for the, the team, and the other one was an opposing quarterback. But outside of those two Allens, I thought Solid did pretty well this season.
0: On that note, we're we're going to leave <laughs> you with no more Allens on no the more 49ers. Allens. So. Uh, thank you as always for listening please rate subscribe review leave us five stars tell us how much you are tired of the Jimmy slander because you we we know, we He's know. A hater. eventually we will see as we are so thank you for listening follow me on Twitter KP underscore show please check out all the material that we have going on at Niners Nation we're going to start to get into more draft stuff as the combines and more athletic testing gets underway Akash where can we follow you at
1: On Twitter, at A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. You can find me there. And just like Kyle mentioned, appreciate you guys for listening. Um, Make sure to subscribe to the Niner Nation Podcast Network. And as always, go Niners.